The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. News when you need it. Fun when you want it. In the last half hour, uh, we were talking about the $14 million in damage to a blue quill apartment building caused by a cigarette butt left in a planter. Uh, and some of your texts before we get to our uh, next guests uh, here, this text. Maybe it's time we consider multi-use building or multi-family buildings might have to be built out of concrete just to prevent such devastating fires. Uh, this way, when people are doing stupid things, there's less likely of having to put out an entire building worth of families for one stupid person. Uh, we cannot change people's behaviors, then maybe we have to build for people's stupid behaviors. Uh, uh, this, uh, what about the people who don't show up for condo meetings to get rid of plant air, bark mulch, or set up proper smoke areas? That from Allen in Morinville. Uh, the term I was trying to come up with, by the way, was fully involved. Thank you to all the listeners who told me that. And this, about smoking and butts. I was out at Lasquita, Lasquita Island last year, and they're very trash conscious there. Someone gave me a portable ashtray that I keep in my purse. It's like a little plastic envelope, envelope that's lined with flexible metal on the inside and snaps closed, really. It's only about two inches square, and I carry it everywhere. Never an excuse to toss a butt anymore. And this, okay, I'll say it, it's because of a certain amount of human beings are just stupid and ignorant. <laughs> oh my goodness. And this, uh, I've been a firefighter for 15 years now. Never underestimate the ignorance of human beings. We once had a man try to start a fire in his apartment on the floor because he was cold. He didn't understand the implications of his actions. Uh, and one final uh, text here from Dan. So banned smoking in apartments, condos, townhomes. How many millions would be saved? It's an interesting conversation, and I suspect this one will be as well. So you might have read the story about the businessman who took his took matters into his own hands, the uh, owner of Redwater Dodge, uh, David Tingle, who joins us on the phone right now. Hi, David. Hi. I, I was uh, fascinated by this article, but perhaps for those listeners who are not familiar with the circumstance, so you own a Dodge dealership, and, and what's been the problem crime-wise? Uh, just ongoing petty theft um, for the last six years. Nobody's ever been arrested or charged, to my knowledge. And, and uh, you know, petty theft, so this is just, you know, parts and tires and that sort of thing disappearing from the yard, I would assume? Yes, wheels, tires, anything that they can, anything they can roll away. Now, somebody might suggest, well, gee, shouldn't you be locking that stuff up at night? So what security do you have? It is locked up. We have, uh, we have uh, halogen lights that are on every night, all night. We have a chain link fence. We have uh, security cameras, wheel locks on all of our vehicles that are outside of the compound. Uh, they're breaking in to get the stuff, cutting through the fence three times in the last couple of months. Wow. That takes time. It does. And de determination. Yeah, no kidding. So on this last occurrence, and I saw the video, and there's a, a couple of guys uh, rolling tires away, and I assume these are your security footage of your yard. Um, it, I have to ask, before I ask you to explain what you did, the camera seems to pan and move. So was somebody monitoring the cameras? So that's a video of the screen. So the guy was holding a phone up to the screen to take the video. I asked for the video um, before we had a chance to edit it because I wanted to get it on Facebook immediately. Uh, and there, that brings us to that. So in the past, what have you done when you've had a theft? I've, uh, for most of the thefts, I've, I've filed a report with the RCMP. And, and what's become of that? 
Well, they get a lot of reports for theft. It, you know, it goes into the inbox, and um, they do the best they can do with the resources they have, but uh, nobody's ever been arrested. I've never recovered any property, other than one truck a few years ago we got back. You know, and I know that you're not upset with the police per se. No. Um, I know that in my case, my car, for example, has been broken into twice, and on both occasions I've gone to report the theft, and on both occasions the police have said, so now just phone your insurance company. It doesn't feel like there's going to be an investigation. It, it feels like this is, a, this is a step towards insurance. Mm-hmm. Is, has that been your experience? I think there's a perception, uh, generally speaking, based on some of the Facebook comments I've seen over the years, that people think that uh, it doesn't cost money that the insurance company pay. <laughs> we don't put claims in. If we did, we would be uninsurable. If we told our insurance company uh, our, our property is not secure, uh, we'd have a difficult time getting them to cover us. So we pay for it ourselves. It, it's, not a, it's not a victimless crime. If Fort McMurray burns down, everybody's fire insurance goes up. You think people could really connect those dots, but not everybody does. Mm-hmm. So, David, it seems like you've done everything you possibly could have done to this point. What are you hoping will change now? I mean, we've seen stats that rural crime is just booming in these type of areas. What needs to change? Well, I think, I think the way we deal with these young people that are, that are committing the crimes needs to change. We, we need to find a way to make them productive members of society. The options now are go to jail or, or get out of jail. And when they get out of jail, nobody will hire them because they're criminals, hmm. thieves. So they have, if they want to feed themselves, they have little little alternative than to keep stealing. So we, we can't uh, skip over the best part of this story, which is the fact that this time they were apprehended. So tell us what, what you did and why you did it the way you did it. Um, shortly after we posted the Facebook uh, video or the security video, we had multiple uh, tips anonymous tips. We know who the people are, but they ask us not to share their names for fear of retribution from the, from the criminals. Um, so we knew who these folks were. Uh, we, we knew for certain uh, who they were and where they lived. So we, we gathered up uh, a few guys from the store here, and we took a couple pickup trucks down and went to get our stuff. When you got there, David, what was the reaction like from the people you were with and then on the other side of the fence, the people who had been allegedly taking this product? So I told my guys not to go onto the property. I didn't want any altercation. I made it clear nobody was going to get hurt. I knocked on the door, and one of my guys who was in the back alley said, uh, he's in the backyard. So I, I walked around, walked through the gate, made eye contact with the guy. He seemed to be texting somebody. And uh, I said, I understand you had some tires for sale. And he turned to walk into his garage, and I don't think he was intending to show me the tires. He was just trying to get away from me to finish his text. Hmm. So I followed him in. And I saw the engine for a power washer they had stolen from me being welded onto a go-kart. I saw a couple stacks of tires with carpets on them. I pulled the carpets off the tires. I hit the, the button to open the garage door. I told the guys to call the RCMP, and they arrived two or three minutes later. So this is an interesting part of the story, because the RCMP would tell you that what you did was not what people should do. Yes. Because you're putting yourself in danger. You don't know who these people are. But on the other hand, what you did worked, and the fact that you were able to identify on the spot your stolen goods is the reason that the RCMP were able to come and arrest these people and then search their house. Correct. So that's a real problem, right? We've got a disconnect here that to get the right results, you have to do the wrong thing, it seems. Well, it would seem that way. First off, I, I knew they weren't dangerous. We, we, we were, I wouldn't have gone there if they were. I have, I have the... I have the courage of the lion and the Wizard of Oz. I'm not a vigilante. <laughs> I'm not a violent guy. I'm a big guy, but it's because I'm fat and don't take care of myself, right? <laughs> so did you know these guys? 
I didn't know them, but I knew people that did know them indirectly, and we knew that they were just they were young guys that were addicted to drugs that are down on their luck and they steal for a living. That's that's what we knew about nonviolent guys. Yeah, you're you're being awfully nice about it, and I, I get why you are. How big's Redwater? Uh, just over two thousand people. Yeah, so it wouldn't have taken long for somebody in Redwater to look at that video and know exactly who it was, which is exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. They knew. Yeah. They knew who it was. Interesting. So now, what's become of those guys? Do you know? And uh, do you yeah. know if they found anything else in the house or garage when they searched? Uh, well, it was full of stuff. These guys don't work. I mean, the, the, clearly they didn't buy the things that were there. So uh, that's just my observation. Hmm. Um, the stuff was piled up around the garage, inside the garage, to the roof. I'm assuming there was a lot of stolen goods recovered. They were arrested. We watched them get cuffed and taken away. The, the RCMP asked me to come to the station, give out a statement, which I did. They were out a couple of days later, and uh, one of them was already is already posting uh, stolen parts. On I'm, I'm assuming they're stolen parts because they're truck parts. He doesn't own a truck. He's already <laughs> posting things for sale on Facebook at the buy and sell in Fort Saskatchewan. Oh, have you of, contacted police and told no. them about that now? No, one of our customers, you know, posted a picture of him, and you know what, and or one of our one of our followers. The other guy was driving his bicycle around the dealership yesterday, seeing what we had on our lot. Are you kidding me? No, no, I'm not. I wish I was. That, I, I, honest to God, I'm speechless. This yeah. sounds like, I don't know if you've ever seen the show, David, but it sounds like an episode of Intervention. Yes. That's what these <laughs> yeah. guys need right away. Well, I see it, though, and, and David, you said it earlier in the conversation, but so, you know, they get caught, they get arrested, or they get charged, or they get arrested, they get charged, but the next, you know, two days later when they're out, they have to make money again to supply their, I mean, it's just, they don't have jobs to go to. No. So I'm sure their way of thinking is, well, we got unlucky one time, but it's, because nobody, nobody's accusing these guys of being brilliant, right? So <laughs> no. in, a t- in a town of 2,000 where you've already been arrested once for, for theft, you would think it'd, you'd be a suspect in future thefts. Yeah, so, I mean, people that buy stolen goods from somebody that knows stolen, they're contributing to the problem. Yeah, you're right. If there was no market for these stolen goods, these guys would stop stealing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, your mayor in Redwater has said that uh, he thought it would be a good idea to have some kind of civilian force. Uh, I guess, I, you know, like the, what do you call it, guardian angels or something, I don't know, something along those lines. What, what do you think of that idea? Well, I, I worry about, uh, a, you know, a, um, a senior veteran who is doing this, trying to help his community, getting hurt, because yeah. as much as they say they'll sit in the vehicle, I don't think that they will. I know some of these guys. Yeah. If they see somebody stealing something in the middle of the night from one of their neighbors or from one of the businesses, they're going to want to stop it. And uh, that's, I don't think that's the solution at all. So what I, is I the solution then, just more police officers? No, I don't. I think that there's, we're, we're polarized in our country, really. Uh, maybe, maybe more so in Alberta. There's the right and there's the left. Mm-hmm. And the people on the right side, so put these guys in jail, throw the key away, shoot, shovel, and shut up. Yeah. And the guys, the guys on the left say, oh, no, no, we can't put them in jail. You know, they're victims of their circumstances. There has to be a middle ground. If we don't teach these young people how to support themselves, so that they can get a job and have the significance and the self-esteem that goes along with that, they're going to continue to steal. Well, you know what, David, I have to ask you, and I, I, you know, I put you on the spot here a little bit, and I'm not actually recommending this, but, uh, and I get where you're coming from, do you want to hire them? Well, with considering the fact that we have $10, $12 million in property here, uh, no, I can't. Uh, mm-hmm. The insurance company wouldn't allow me to. We right. have to do an, uh, criminal background checks. But there's lots of farms. There's garbage in the on the ditches on all the highways. There's bushes that need to be cut. They, it, rather than segregate these people, take them out of the community and send them to where university prison where they can get their PhD in theft. Mm-hmm. They should stay in the communities. The government should take the money that they use to punish people 
and use some of that money to help rehabilitate these people. Maybe give the municipality some money to have these kids work with normal people so that they can see what a normal life is like, because a lot of these kids have never experienced that. They know misery and crime. That's what they know. Yeah, you know what? It's a great idea. Uh, moving forward, just out of curiosity, um, are you going to post a security guard? What, uh, are you? Cha- I don't want you to give away any secrets, but what are you? What are you doing to secure your yard moving forward? Well, we we have a pretty advanced system. We're going to make some improvements. I'm looking right now at uh, drones that shoot tranquilizer darts and then dispatch the RCMP remotely. <laughs> I think that would work here. Oh man! <laughs> Just when I thought you were the smartest guy on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that's not a good idea, but uh, uh, that's hilarious. As long as your video cameras get footage of that happening, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm all for it. No David. kidding. You know, you want that video to go viral, and right at the bottom, you want uh, whatever truck you've got on sale this week. Just yeah, uh, post yeah. that down there. Yeah, definitely. Well, these guys are high, so high people are sometimes paranoid. That. That only has to happen once and nobody will come back. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Uh, David, what a pleasure talking with you. I'm sorry for uh, the inconvenience of uh, what you've gone through the last few months, but I think you've got the right idea about what to do with these guys, and it's something next opportunity that I have to talk to somebody in a position to make something like that happen. I'm going to bring it up. Well, I appreciate that, guys. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Our pleasure. Take care. At 2.49 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News, we said uh, before talking uh, to uh, David Tingley from uh, Redwater, from the Redwater Dodge uh, dealership, we said that we were uh, asking you on 6.30, to tell us what lines you think are, are iconic. They, uh, it was a list put out by IGN.com. IGN.com, uh, the 100 greatest movie moments, and we uh, narrowed it down to the top 10, and so many of you are guessing so many iconic lines that I don't, I can't read them all, but a lot of you, uh, a lot of you have guessed right. Others have guessed lines where you think, how did we not have this? Uh, how about this uh, at number 10? You recognize this? Yeah, that was uh, me at Jalen Nye's house two Saturday nights ago. (laughs) (laughs) That, of course, was the gruesome chest burster scene from Alien in 1979. Do you remember that one? I do. I love those movies. Me too. I love those movies. It's funny with all of these, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but it was like those songs that I had to record a few weeks back when we were doing that countdown. (laughs) Yeah. I'm intently listening for any swear words because I thought for sure that as an alien burst out of a man's Somebody, stomach, yeah. somebody's going to drop a holy F-bomb in there. But, you know, fortunately saved me a, a little bit of extra work. So Nice. But, uh, yeah, Alien, the, the whole trilogy, to me the original trilogy. I mean, there's been some, you know, cast-offs since then. Yep. But those first three are, uh, those are iconic. Uh, how about this one at number nine? looking at you, kid. The famous scene, of course, from Casablanca, 1942 film. Uh, Can you remember when that came out? uh, You know what? I was not there, (laughs) but I certainly watched it. My parents required that we watch certain classic movies, which I don't didn't appreciate at the time, but have since gone back and tried to get my own kids to watch the same movies. They're, They're just... Some of them are, you know, some of these old movies... They're just so good. Um, 
but they don't have all the fancy bells and whistles of nope. current productions, and so kids are bored by them. Not me. See, I love older films, classic films. That's what I appreciate the, appreciate about them is the authenticity, the realness of it. Mm-hmm. It not filled with 3D graphics yeah. and and all the fake explosions. And of course, I enjoy a good you know summer action movie now and again. But you know, <laughs> sitting down and watching movies from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, that was the real time for real movies yeah and uh i thank my stepmom like until she came into my life i i would watch just you know like classic kids movies as as a young child but my dad met her when i was about 12 and she kind of like your parents and you need to watch this and, Mm -hmm. and wrote down a list and my dad working shift work as a police officer when i had the week with them uh if her and i had a friday or saturday night together we'd watch you know two movies off that list yeah. and and just keep moving through them and I, I thank her immensely for that because it really gave me appreciation for what i consider to be a good film well that and the fact that it gives you an appreciation for what was going on in the world at that time that too uh, you know whether it be the second world war or concerns about nazi germany um dr strange Love was a movie that I watched with my kids and had to keep telling them to put the phones down. But they were like, well, you know, it's dragging on. I'm like, no, this was the fear everyone had at the time is that somebody would end up dropping the bomb, right? Dr. Strangelove, so well done. Um, this one, I'm sure you would have guessed, uh, would be on the list at number eight. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> we have got to keep all of these in our folder because we should have a hot button for that one. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if, you're, if you're getting a little frazzled yeah. with Jay Lynn. Absolutely. Boink. Push no, button number eight. Uh, the Frankly, My Dear, I Don't Give a Damn scene was, of course, from Gone with the Wind, a 1939 movie. At number seven, remember this one? <laughs> you had to cut a little bit out there, didn't you? Well, I didn't want to give it away. I didn't know how we were going to do this, if we were just going to play them yeah, out or have yeah. people guess. So obviously that's E.T., yep. Spielberg, 1982. That's right. I don't... I didn't want <laughs> Elliot to, E.T., E.T., and everybody, oh, if we were going to do a guessing yeah, game. Yeah, fair enough. So what was number seven? Everybody's like, oh, your producer's an idiot. It's, <laughs> it's, it's obviously do you E.T. Remember, do you remember that time you did the uh, music montage? Oh, I do. And the name of the song was in the montage? One of my finer moments, my friend. <laughs> well, you know, as a listener, I would have really appreciated that. Uh, before, uh, we're going to do the top five after uh, sometime uh, later on in the afternoon, but here at number six, do you remember this? <laughs> I mean, that's classic. You don't even need to hear anything else. Just that music. That kept me up at night. I watched that. Yeah, oh my goodness. I slept with my bedroom lights on. I locked the bathroom <laughs> door. I checked under the bed. And that's what I'm talking about. Alfred Hitchcock's type of movie was not uh, cutting people's heads off and blood shooting everywhere. No. It, it was, I mean, that scene is, of course, the shower scene from Psycho, 1960. You don't actually see her get knifed. She's in the shower. You see it from the perspective of the person in the bathroom. You see the knife go up in the air, and then blood flings across the, the shower wall. Yeah, you see and her initial you see it go reaction. down the drain. You see her initial reaction of, oh my goodness. Yes. And then it pans away. It's the implied violence from Hitchcock that was yeah. so great. And oh. not making 
a mess of things, like you said, with people's heads getting exactly. cut off and, and that sort of thing. Uh, sometime uh, this afternoon, we'll give you the top five uh, most uh, greatest movie moments. Right now, let's do this. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.